stand for the scripture reading tonight. So we're actually going to just cover one verse tonight. However, we'll read a little bit more for context. Luke 24 verse 12 is the verse we're going to cover. But I'm going to back up to Luke 24 verse 9 to give us a little bit of context. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself, what had happened. Amen. The Holy Spirit of God, would you illuminate our hearts to know and understand this text and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, faith in the Christian life is the means by which God redeems his people. You know that by grace you have been saved through faith. And we see that faith is not just something that we conjure up And it's not of our natural means, but as Ephesians 2 goes on to say, this faith is not of yourselves, but is the gift of God. And we are his workmanship. We have been saved for his use and his glory. And the living out of that, then the new life in Christ, we see that faith is not just a one and done. Faith was not just involved in the new creation work that God did in salvation, but faith is that which we live by daily. We live by faith, and as Paul said to the church at Galatia, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And We walk through this life by faith, not by sight, for we are uh, we're not God. We are very limited creatures, and Without the saving work of Christ, we would be blind, dead, and not knowing God at all. So we need faith. And the Christian requires faith to go forward in this life and to endure and to persevere. As Romans 1 says, the righteous shall live by faith. And if we want to dial that in even a little further, it is faith that enables the Christian to overcome in difficult circumstances to keep going, to keep looking up to God even when the future is unknown, to even smile at the trials knowing that their God is in control and He is the one who even turns the bad into good for our sakes and His glory. As 1 John 5.4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So it is... God using that faith in our lives to give the victory. It's faith that we are going to look at tonight. Faith when things are not clear. Faith when things don't go the way you expected. Faith when the future is unknown. And faith when you do not know what to do next. So I titled this message, Faith in the Fog. Because that's how life is sometimes. Sometimes there's situations in life where it's a little foggy, it's unclear, but it's part of God's plan and He uses these times of fog so that we may live out our faith in Him 
and so that he may grow our faith, our trust, and our confidence in him even more during these times. And so as we look at our text tonight, you'll notice it is, again, only one verse, Luke 24, verse 12. So just to read that again, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves. He departed, marveling to himself what had happened. Now, just before this, we're told that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, uh, they told the apostles what they saw. Remember, they went to the tomb, they went to the tomb, and they saw the stone rolled away. Uh, But it says that when they told this to the apostles, their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. However, It says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. So there's a different response by Peter, and we're going to find out also by John. This this was a desperate moment for the uh, disciples of Jesus. As you can imagine, not only had their Jesus been um, crucified, which was not expected, and now somebody had stolen his body, which was just... Even harder. Uh, In fact, Mary Magdalene said it plainly. She said, uh, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. In other words, somebody stole his body and we don't even know where his body is now. So things have gone from bad to worse for the followers of Jesus. Now Jesus' body was gone. The women basically reported that some strange men We're standing outside the tomb, telling them something about him raising, whatever that means. And uh, it was just a desperate time. It was just probably a confusing time. That's, I think, the picture of fog may be a good one, when you you can't see very well or very far in the fog. So again, they said these, these words seem like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But something was different going on in, in Peter's heart, because... Peter responded differently. It says, P- P- Peter ran then to the tomb. Now we know Peter had a boldness to him, didn't he? Peter was the one who stepped out on the water to follow Jesus. Peter was the one that said uh, to Jesus, Lord, I'm willing to go with you both to prison and to death. And remember, Peter was really the first one to publicly declare that Jesus was the Christ of God. He, he was the one, when Jesus really questioned him, he, he responded that way. So, but Peter, in this moment of despair, at that moment of disappointment, at that moment of not knowing what to do, in that moment of confusion, Peter ran to the tomb. And uh, it's a question for us, you know, in, in those times of life, maybe things are foggy, you're not sure of the future, you have a decision to make, you're not sure what to do, something happened that you really, really didn't expect and it has consequences, it's kind of the situation the disciples are in. Um, what do we do in those times? What do you do in the fog of life? And it's here that we must walk by faith and we must hope in God. We must rely and lean on Him and not on our own understanding, but upon His promises. And for Peter, that apparently meant getting up and seeing what was going on with his Lord. Uh, If we were to think maybe what's going on in Peter's heart, he he probably thought something like, what is God doing? Uh, 
I know my God, I, I trust Him that all these things will work together, uh, but this, this cannot be it. This cannot be the end of three years walking with, with my Lord, and it, it just is going to end like this. He, he was buried, and then somebody steals his body away. This cannot be the end, Lord. And so that, that hope that it's not over yet, that's the hopeful expectation that there is something more with God. Hope is driving us forward, and this is where hope and faith come together. You remember Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now Jesus, remember, was supposed to live and be our king forever. And to the disciples, that was their expectation. He was going, you know, he rode in on the donkey, right? Uh, Hosanna in the highest. And this was, he was going to be the king that was going to take over. But that is not, not how things went. But faith, even through all that, even all the way after the beating and the crucifixion and the burying in the tomb, and now his body's been stolen, or it seems to be, faith says, no, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. God is still working, and our Jesus, our Lord, will, will reign. Will reign. We don't know how. We don't know what's going to happen. But our Lord's going to reign. He is our King forever. So Hebrews 11 speaks of the faith of the godly men and women who've gone before us. And there's so many biblical examples there, right? Of It's just called the faith chapter where it goes through person after person in the Bible who showed faith. But I'm really struck by Sarah's response in verse 11. I think it's very poignant as to what faith can do. Uh, Hebrews 11.11 says, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, to conceive a baby, right? Even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's why. Uh, Sarah knew God would keep his promises. God gave her uh, and her husband a promise. And so she knew, well, even though I'm 90 years old, um, which is really, really old to have a baby, I don't know, but I just know God's going to keep his promise. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how this is going to turn out. But, that, but I do know, I'm confident, that's faith, I'm confident he's going to keep his promises. And so, you see here how faith, faith is driven by hope. And it, it results in a supernatural work in our lives. And that's truly amazing. And so, Peter is, is kind of in the midst of this. And he's quickened by the conviction of things not seen, right? He, he couldn't see what was going to happen. He couldn't, I don't, maybe he thought the resurrection would happen, but he, he, that was not the facts right now as to what they had. But in faith, in hopeful expectation of a great work of his God, Peter ran to the tomb. And we see our hoping, our trusting, our seeking God's hand at work that there are times to run, right, and do something like Peter did. And there's also times to wait on the Lord, right? There's times to enact a faithful, patient, enduring and waiting on the Lord. And perhaps the others that were in the room, 
uh, who didn't run, maybe that's what they were doing. Maybe they were waiting on the Lord. But so see, faith is going to act, is going to work differently, perhaps in different, our, diff, our different lives, right? So Peter was convicted. He's like, I got to go figure out what's going on. Maybe the others were, went to prayer and didn't go anywhere. You know, faith is just going to work itself out in different ways. But the Spirit of the Lord is going to convict us to take a step of faith and to move in a hopeful expectation that our God is not done, that there's more to come, that it's not over. And so, for Peter, that faith propelled him in boldness to run to the tomb, uh, which is, which you could think, sometimes we do things and faith drives us to step out of doubt to step out of doubt, right? This is certainly a time when doubt could have overtaken Jesus' disciples. They could have thought things like, was he really the Messiah? I mean, he seems to be just a guy now that was crucified, buried, and now his body's stolen. Was this all made up? Was, was, were his miracles tricks? What now? But faith... And obediently taking the next step of faith is often the means God uses to step us out of doubt and turn us back to trusting in Him. Uh, For we're called not to fear, not to doubt, not to be anxious, but to overcome and to trust in Him. Remember that, that we read from 1 John 5, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so in the fog, in the fog of life, we're called to step forward in faith and trust God, hopeful of what He promises, and pressing forward and overcoming by faith. And notice that in the incredible work of our God, it's it's multifaceted. Not only is He glorified by His saints trusting in Him, but He also grows us through it too. There's multiple things going on, right? James 1.4 says, let steadfastness or let patience, let endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the moments of fog in our life are some of the most phenomenal times. Uh, it's, it's actually almost, it's not quite foggy, but it feels like it could be out there. It, it's a time where, where faith and hope are so acute Right? It's where your faith is so real because it's all you have. Right? The thing in fog is you can't, right? Everybody's driven in fog. You can't drive very fast because you can't see very far. All you have is sort of the faith that you're going to keep going. But we know by faith that it's faith we must walk in and not by sight. It's faith that we must live by. Should I take this job, this new job? Should I marry this person? Uh, Lord, what should I do about this mess of a situation I've got myself into? Lord, I feel stuck in life. What do I do? Those those are all foggy situations. And you know, sometimes it's foggy in Colorado, but pretty rare compared to like Pennsylvania or something. But what happens eventually to the fog? Eventually always goes away. Um, sometimes I, I, the way we like to say it is the sun comes out and burns it off. And that's how it is with faith in God. We're in a foggy situation in life, but the, 
the sun, God, shines through and breaks through the fog and burns it away until it's slowly gone. And we are called to faith in the same way, to walk in faith, to step forward in hopeful expectation and take the next step. And that could be waiting on the Lord. Um, it could be running like Peter did. It could be taking a step and seeing what God is doing next. But either way, it's leaning upon the promises of God all the more diligently. Now, the reason I selected just one verse to cover is because uh, the Gospel of John explains this uh, much deeper in about seven verses. So basically, we're going to take this one verse, verse 12 from Luke, and now go to the Gospel of John to read that account, which opens it up quite a bit more for us. So I'd really like to take the rest of our time now in John chapter 20, starting in verse 3. So again, we're just going to change to the other gospel, John, the gospel of John's narrative on this event. And as, as I read this, John 20, starting in verse 3, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Peter and John. Remember what happened. They just heard the news that the stone was rolled away from the women and now they're going to do they're going to decide what to do. John 20 and verse 3. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and that was John, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb, that's John, first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. Okay, so now we have the full picture of what happened with Peter and John. We see that it was not just Peter, but it was also John who ran together to the tomb. And so again, in these men, faith and hope compelled them to go see what was going on with Jesus. They heard it from the women. You could think maybe it was a little bit like Thomas. Uh, okay, I really want to see this myself. But it was more so that, again, as I explained before, they wanted to see what was happening. They wanted to see what was going on. Now, I will say, it's not exactly clear the distance that they ran, um, because we don't exactly know where the particular room they were in at the time, but most scholars think it was around three-quarters of a mile. It's not that far, but it's still a, a pretty decent distance if you're going to run and you're not used to running. And these men probably were not athletes, um, but we see that John got there first, maybe because he was younger, but I think it tells us something more, too. Um, pretend this was happening to you. I mean, pretend even, you know, we were going to, 
run, I don't know how th- far three quarters of a mile is, um, down, down the road here. Well, it's probably, if we went down that road, it, it, we'd probably almost get to Grant Road. I don't know, three quarters of a mile or so. But if we were just running to get somewhere, if you were with a friend, you'd probably kind of keep the same pace as your friend. But if it was an emergency, if you had to get there, you'd be like, sorry, man, I'm running as fast. I'm just leaving you in the dust. I'm running there as fast as I can. And that's kind of what happened, you see, because it wasn't just a running together, you know, oh, let's, yeah, hey, you want to go see? Yeah, let's see what's going on. No, this was as fast as they could run. And so John got there first, probably because he was younger. Um, but it was really must have been, it was, an, it was an emergency. It was urgent. It was life or death. And, uh, and, and I love that they ran to the tomb. I love that. Because in the word, running is always associated in the scriptures with a picture of advancement. It's, it's kind of an idea of strength. It's we're not always running everywhere. We run only at certain times. It's sort of a picture of moving forward against all odds. It's of a, a righteous diligence that's relentless, right? It, it, running just keeps pressing forward. It, it's driven by a faith-fueled passion. And we, we, let's remember some of the times in Scripture when running is mentioned. We remember, of course, the father of the prodigal son, he ran to his son when he saw him. Right? And then it also applies to our faith. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, Do you not know that all, run, all, all that run a race run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Run, and it's just this picture. The Christian life is not just a, a, a stroll in the park. It, it's not just you know, just a, a mosey. It's a running, advancing kingdom and the redeemed life that is taking ground. It's growing in holiness. It's always being sanctified. It's a continual forward movement in the Christian life. Remember, Hebrews 12 also says that, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and, and, and the sin which so close clings closely to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus. So there it is, running again with endurance is part of our Christian life. So this is what we do. We, we run, we endure by faith in the race he's calling us to. And in Isaiah 40, running is characterized by the continual posture of the believer enabled by God. Uh, it says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And what, it, what a remarkable thing it is here to see that even waiting on the Lord in itself is a type of spiritual advancement or running. Because it takes a lot of faith to wait on the Lord. A lot of faith. It's hard. Just to sit there and wait, you, we all want to do something, you know. Particularly if you're like a doer or a fixer, you're like I can't just sit here. I have to say something or do. I can relate to this. I want something to happen. But setting your mark and driving towards God is even something you need to do in waiting on the Lord. And uh, when we're waiting on the Lord, we don't want other things to distract us, right? We don't want to just run to other solutions, but we want to trust in Him.
Lastly, in running, Paul mentions this imagery of a race and running. Uh, when he, he says this to Timothy, uh, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So Paul has seen his whole life as like a race, like a running kind of event. And so faith, again, is the, he has kept the faith. Faith is the fuel, if you were, to our continual running towards God. So Peter and John run. John gets there first and stoops down. And so let's kind of paint the picture here. You remember, John gets to the tomb and he just, he kind of looks, he stoops down, which tells us the entrance to the tomb must have been low or small. And in fact, I always thought of it as like this gigantic hole, you know, like you could, once they rolled the stone away, you could just look right in. But no, he says he had to stoop down and look in and, and he didn't go in though. John didn't go in, right? He just saw, he's probably going, is Jesus in there or what? But he saw just the cloths. Okay, so that's what, that's what he's doing. And Peter, Peter catches up. Peter goes right into the tomb. He's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going in. Now that's the boldness of Peter again. And uh, Peter, so he goes right into the tomb. It's probably small, but he was able to get in there. But he saw the linen garments they had put upon Jesus before he had, was put in the tomb. Remember, he took him down from the cross, they wrapped him, and they put him in the tomb, just like they did to Lazarus. So then, John goes in as well. So Peter's in, John follows him in. And here, a really significant thing happens in verse 8. Uh, again, John chapter 20, verse 8. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. So John goes in, and immediately says he saw and believed. And so remember back when the other disciples, when the women came, they thought, oh, somebody's stolen Jesus' body. In fact, that, that happened back then, right? Grave, grave robbery was a thing that actually happened. Um, but now, seeing the linen cloths all folded and lying there, the idea of a grave robber was gone. They're like, wait a minute, no, no, no. No, no grave robber would come in, disrobe him, fo- neatly fold his... So what this, what this means is, wait a minute, his body was not stolen. The fog is starting to clear away. It's clear that God is doing something. Something supernatural happened here. Something very different than just Jesus' body being stolen away. So what is happening now in the hearts of these two men? Let's go back to verse 8. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb went in. He saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So John saw the linen wrappings and he believed something. What I, what I think he believed is he was clearly not, his body was not stolen. He believed that Jesus was alive. That's what he knew. Jesus is not here, wasn't stolen, he's alive. But it does say, John and Peter did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. In other words, while at that moment they knew Jesus had 
must be alive somewhere, they did not understand that the Scriptures predicted the resurrection of the Messiah. So the flaw, again, the fog is slowly dissipating. In other words, they didn't understand how it all worked, but they knew that Jesus was alive, that Jesus had risen, and this was, of course, going to be confirmed in the future. And, of course, we, many years later, we can see that the Scriptures, of course, did declare the resurrection of the Messiah in Psalm 16, as we read this uh, just earlier at the beginning of our service, and also last week we studied Psalm 16. Verse 10 says, You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor let your Holy One see corruption. God would not let the Messiah just die in the tomb, but he'd be raised to life. And of course, in verse 8 as well in Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. And there's a couple double imagery here, but one is that it's basically saying no matter what happens to Jesus, he's going to end up at the right hand of God. So he's not going to just stay in that tomb forever. So God's truths come to pass. Um, And, you know, it's these kind of promises that really lead the church forward, right? I mean, think about Peter. He went from here. Remember, remember what's happened? I mean, he's denied Jesus. All of these difficult things have happened. He's walked with Jesus for three years. But God took Peter from this place, and I believe this was a very significant point in his life and his ministry, if you will, when he went into that tomb and he believed. And remember, it just wasn't, too many days after this, 40 or so days after this, that he gave that incredible sermon at Pentecost, which was significant, very significant for the early church. But God does not lie. That's the key. His, his truths come to pass, and that's what we need to have faith in. Even if, even if men kill Jesus, that's fine. Men cannot stop the promises of God, and that's the kind of faith we need to live by. Right? It's like what Jesus said in Matthew 10. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. In other words, don't worry about that. If somebody comes and kills you, no big deal. That's, that's fine. <laughs> because God is the one we need to fear. We don't need to fear man. God is the one who is over all these things. We must cling to the truth of God and put all of our stock in Him. So, faith in God in the Bible is clear, and way before Jesus came to the earth, the Scriptures foretold of the death and resurrection of the Messiah, but we know that without faith, these things would remain hidden in the fog, wouldn't they? Maybe this is why Jesus said, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And when we trust in Christ, we more and more understand that he is proclaimed on every page of the Bible and in every instance of our life. It is a comprehensive life of faith that we live in Christ. Our, our life is not just moments when we sometimes need to have faith in God. Right? It's not just in the fog that we need to seek him and walk by faith but it's in every moment of our life we need to do by faith. 
right? When you, when you do ballet, when you do school, when you work, when you go to church, when you honor your parents, when you go for a bike ride, when you brush your teeth. Don't, don't trivialize it. Don't minimize it. We have to do all things by faith. The righteous live by faith. And when we run to the tomb to see what our God is doing, we need to do that in faith. That's how we glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. As His children looking up to what our Father will do next, it, it harkens back to Psalm 123 as we heard as the eyes of a servant look to the hand of their master, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. We look up to God. God, what are you doing right now? It's foggy, but I'm trusting in you. And through all of life and every step, we look to him. We trust what he says. We, we find peace in that and what his promises are. We can cast off the anxious doubt and rest in God. We can anticipate His great works. We don't want to let this fog and these moments in life hinder us, but we want to look forward to the fulfillment of His promises in our lives in ways we didn't even expect, in supernatural ways, which is obviously what happened to Jesus and what John and Peter discovered, that something supernatural had happened. So this is faith. May we all... Walk and step forward in faith today. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for faith that you have given us, the gift of God, and not of ourselves, that no man may boast. And thank you for the hope that propels our faith, the promises of God in our lives. And God, may we look, help us to look, out through the fog, as it were, in faith. We don't know what's on the other side. But God, you will help us. And we pray that you'd increase our faith and trust in you today so that we can take whatever call you have for us and take that step forward in faith today, glorify you and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.